This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody, my name is Ian Crow, and I'm joined by Matt Jones from Liverpool Echo Sport and the Blue Room Podcast. Matt, how are things? Yeah, I'm very well, mate. Very well. Uh, I was on a high all day. It's starting to wear off a bit now. I feel like the, the crash is coming. Uh, probably some point after this podcast, but I'm no, delighted to be here with you talking about the Blues again after yesterday. Yeah, it's always a, a nice bit of therapy, and it's always a nice bit of therapy when Everton win as well. So it's uh, yeah, tonight's agenda, obviously, it is literally all about the Chelsea game. Um, we will obviously try and throw in a few tidbits as well, but you know, predominantly... Um, we are going to wax lyric- lyrically about Chelsea and that 2-0 win at Goodison Park. Please submit your questions. Uh, we'll try and get to them and through them as many as possible. Uh, we are streaming live on YouTube and Facebook. So again, like I say, we are live. Get your questions in. I'll put them to Martin. and we'll try and answer them as well. Please remember to like and subscribe to our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Show us some support. And uh, yeah, Matt, I mean, let's get to it. I mean, initial reaction to that that 2-0 win, now two home wins in a row. Fantastic stuff. Yeah, amazing, mate. I just I just love so much about yesterday. Um, you know, I've been a bit late, like a couple of days before and I wasn't sure if I was going to make it to Goodison on, on Sunday and I was so close to selling my tickets and I just stuck it out and managed to get over the 24-hour bug that I had. And then, yeah, just, you know, everything about it, which, you know, from the... You know, that low sun, sun you get at Goodison in the winter that sort of you know makes everyone in the Gladys Street put their hands up and uh, cover their eyes. Um, you know, the way the team played, um, the Chelsea fans getting sent packing after the ridiculous stuff that, that they were singing as well throughout the game. Uh, there were just so many nice moments throughout, and I obviously capped off by two two brilliant goals and two brilliant moments. You know, one from Decore on the rebound that steers it really well, he sort of continues his. His form and his reputation of being, you know, the best finisher at the football club these days, and then you know Lewis Dobbin, it's just, it's just marvelous, isn't it? The way the ball drops to him on the edge of the box, and and he hammers that in, and everybody in blue on the pitch piles over to that corner and piles on top of him. So, just an amazing day, mate. And you know, one one I think that we'd, we'll, we'll cherish really. I think one of the, the sad things for me about the last couple of seasons is that every time we've got a result at Goodison, be it a draw or a win, it's felt like. You're looking up at that clock and thinking how long's to go, and you're sort of wishing the time away. Um, but the last two games, I think we've sort of been able to enjoy and take in the you know, the seven minutes of stoppage time at the weekend, and um, I think it was ten minutes, wasn't it, on on a Thursday night? Um, yeah. I sort of enjoy it and, and bathe in the atmosphere a little bit because as as much as that thing on the waterfront looks absolutely fantastic, you know, we're getting ever closer to that final kick of a football at Goodison Park and. And we want to be able to take it and enjoy as much as as, as possible. So great that, that we've had those those two wins in the space of four days, and and great that we can sort of just immerse ourselves in, in a great atmosphere and enjoy Everton winning football matches. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, you're right. It was ten on Thursday and it was seven on Sunday. I don't know. I don't. Um, I don't know where they got that that time from. But you know, they are obviously trying their best to to find the time from somewhere to to extend that extend that match. But. <laughs> I mean, Matt, you know, going into this game um, at home, you know, Everton have uh, been pretty good against Chelsea, won four of the past five over the, over the past couple of years. So we should have been expected, really, that we, that we would uh, go on and beat Chelsea's, but, you know, they're not in great form either themselves. So was it expected? Yeah, I think so. Like, I, I don't know, like, I, I was sort of like talking to my dad before the game, like when the team came out and, 
it's one of them. Like whenever I watch Chelsea this season, they really fancied them in any game. But I think when they're playing Everton, it's a, you're playing your team, it's a bit different, isn't it? And all of a sudden, you look at that team sheet and you go, "Well, you know, they have got a lot of high class players in there, albeit they've not performed." And you do just sort of have that fatalistic feeling as a blue, don't you? The the day that it's all going to click together is, is going to be on, on Sunday sometimes. Um, but, but deep down, I, I didn't I didn't think we'd get beat. Certainly, um, I just I just felt that the momentum that they had from Thursday, the players, the issues Chelsea have got. I think James Garner coming back into the team was really important as well. Maybe something we'll go on to talk about a bit later. I think his energy in the second half really helped carry us through when there were other players in the team that were that were flagging. I just felt that that freshness would, would just get a result, get us a, a result in the end. Um, and I think ultimately, if you, if you look at the game and for all the you know the, the high class players they've got, the, I think the one main moment of quality comes from from Dwight McNeil for me and in, in getting the ball in uh, you know a transitional phase, beating Conor Gallagher and playing that pass to to Carver Lewin. That's the, the high class moment in in the football match, which ultimately sways it our way. So um, yeah, the, the the one you know I, I imagine they see that I fixture every every year and they on the calendar and think, oh no, not not good us again. We we never get anything there. Um, obviously, they won there last year, didn't they? Under, yeah. Um, well, we we had Frank Lampard as manager then, so I don't know if that really counts on Ari, to be honest. <laughs> um, but no, it's it's one of them, isn't it? They probably dread coming here. But I, I want every team to, to look at look at us like like that. You know, I want every team when it's like horrible weather, it's cold. Um, December when the, the fixture schedule is really packed, to look at Everton and go, oh god, I, I don't fancy that. I don't, I don't want to go there and play these at this time of year. Um, so no, I, I, I wasn't totally surprised, but maybe I wasn't totally surprised if we didn't get beat, but maybe winning was, uh, you know, and a nice bonus. What about you? Did, did you fancy us beforehand? I mean, I, I predicted one-one, but that was that was during a, um, a preview pod with Conor O'Neill and the rest of the lads. But I wasn't on the pod. I was kind of, I was producing it, and he kind of caught me unawares. I wasn't expecting the question, so I just kind of said one-one. But I think looking back at it now, obviously in hindsight, it's one of them, isn't it? Where we would have been a little bit disappointed if we got beat. I think a draw we probably would have took maybe because, mm. you know, we're, our expectations are starting to, you know, rise a little bit. But let's face it, it is Chelsea. They've still got quality players. Our home form still hasn't been fantastic. But, you know, sticking with the home form there, two in a row now. Previously, before that, it was one win in six. It's our away form that's kept us going. You know, now it's three and six. Teams have come to Goodison not really fearing us now. After these two wins, you know, convincing wins. By the way, we can clean sheets as well. You know, you you would hope that anyone who comes to Goodison now is 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 going to be fearing anything that Everton throw at them. It's a, uh, but yeah, I, th- I think like I said, I predicted one one. But you know, maybe that was just being a bit too conservative, to be honest. Yeah, it's it it, it, it you sort of it's one of them, isn't it? Like sometimes when you're on a good run, you sort of feel like three wins in a row just by like the law of averages. Like you probably won't do it, and you you, you can be a bit. Bit conservative sometimes with it, but but yeah, I think I think what we're seeing is like you know earlier in the season when there was a lot of talk about XG and stuff like that with the home form, I was, I was kind of getting a bit frustrated with it, and I, I'll admit I was getting frustrated with the the manager sometimes referring to it and stuff like that. But I think people who look very deeply at these sorts of things and, and the figures were all kind of of the opinion that this would eventually come round and and things would start to improve for us, and that that sort of looks like the the way it's gone and. If, if you look at like the performance, maybe at the weekend and against Newcastle and some of those other ones earlier in the season, maybe there's not loads in them. It, you know, apart from the fact that we we take our chances. I mean, certainly, certainly at the weekend, 
it's probably the most clinical we've been in a home game, would you say? You know, you, you think about the Newcastle game, and listen, we, we scored three at the end, and you know, it, was, it was a great rally to finish Newcastle in, in the way in which we did. But we had loads of chances in that first half, didn't we? You know, Carvalho fires over, McNeil drags one wide. There's, there's a few other ones from set pieces as well. Um, at the weekend, we have the Harrison volley from the edge of the box, don't we, in the first half? Yeah. Which is sort of flashes wide, but... And then McNeil has that shot, doesn't he, which Sanchez saved. But there's not there's not like loads of chances which we've missed. Is is the like recent home games, you know, two opportunities, the two big opportunities come for McN- um sorry, for Decore and, and Dobbin and, and and we're on them and we take them. So maybe it is just, you know, Sean Dyche said, didn't he, before these two home games, what's the difference between, you know, the, the home form turn around and he said putting the ball on the back of the net. And maybe it is just just that simple. And and we've taken our chances in these these two home games and that's why we've we've won the two games. I mean, it seems like a million miles away now or a million, you know, months ago. But the Fulham game seems to be the case in point, really. The amount of chances that we had during that game. um, I don't know how many it is off the top of my head, but we had a bucket full of chances and just couldn't score and then inevitably concede late on, lose the game. And a a couple of the games since then went that way, didn't they? You know what? I think I missed the Wolves game. And I missed the Luton game, but I don't know whether the Luton game could maybe fall in this category. But I know we had a couple of chances against Wolves as well. And the Newcastle game seemed to be going that way, certainly in the first half, despite playing very well. You know, I thought we did play well. We got, like you mentioned, there, Carver Lewin missed a, a really good chance. We we had a couple of, of other chances as well. But, you know, to score three, it's not like we won the game 1 0. We ended up scoring three. And then obviously with this, with this Chelsea game, we didn't have a bucket full of chances here. But we kind of took them, you know, when we were given the opportunity. And again, it's not just the 1-0, it was a 2-0 play, maybe even could have been three, kept a clean sheet. But our, our home form, again, is, is just completely transformed now. Like I say, teams won't be looking forward to coming to Goodison Park, albeit, you know, in the league, the next team to come will be Man City. So <laughs> they probably won't fear us too much, but I suppose Fulham in the Cup a week today, actually, it isn't it? Isn't it a week today? Probably more scared of Fulham than City at the moment, to be honest with you. The way yeah. they're fighting. True, true. I mean, a good, good result for Fulham there against the, against West Ham. I mean, I, I thought Fulham could have been dragged into that relegation battle there, but mm. you know they've they've had a couple of good results. So they've obviously. Uh, I mean, I, I I like Marco Silva as a manager. Actually, I, I think he, you know, maybe he was a little bit naive, and maybe whether he was deserved to be sacked under Everton or not, I don't know, but. You know, I think he is a good manager, and we'll see how that one goes at a week's time. I'm confident that we can pick up the win and obviously progress to the to the next round of the FA Cup. Uh, sorry, the League Cup. My mistake there. I mean, you know, Matt, the before before the game, before the Chelsea game, because because we picked up points against Forest three, and then picked up another three against against Newcastle. It was probably more than a lot of Everton fans were expecting. I'm not I'm not entirely sure what you were expecting, but. A lot of people kind of describe the Chelsea game as a free free hit. Do you, did you agree with that? I mean, it's free hit in the sense that we picked up more points and we knew Chelsea would be maybe a tough opposition. I, I wouldn't say free hit. Like, I think it's hard to look at any home game like that, really, isn't it? You know, even like it's mad because our home form has obviously been a lot worse than our away form this year. Um, but you, I think you always have that inherent sense going to Goodison, don't you? That you know we can give anyone a game here on our day. Maybe it's it's different. It's been different going away from home in recent seasons, but but certainly not at home now. And I suppose the, the other factor, which was well broadcast before the the game at the weekend, was that if you take take it on purely football and circumstances and take the the ridiculous ten point deduction we've had out of it, 
Everton have been better than Chelsea uh, this season, and I think I think you saw why at, at, at the weekend in, in that sense. You know, it's, it's for all the the players they've got and and the illustrious manager they've got on the sidelines, what they like no structure, no real idea of playing, no consistency. It didn't really feel like there's any partnerships on the pitch there for them. Um, so from that sense, it's, no, I, I didn't think it was a free hit. It's, I think I think it, like the, the the set of games. I think if, if someone had said to you after that United results, you know, you can get six points or five points from that, I think you'd probably would have taken that. You know, five points means you've, you've not lost. Six points means you've, you've got two wins on the board. Um, you probably would have taken that. And I think maybe the fact that we've got nine, it, it goes to show how much credit that the Sean Dyche and, and the players deserve, really. Because I think that that United game, the build up to that was so massive and, and so intense and it was almost like the fans are so annoyed, are so angry, and the protest is going to be so great, and the atmosphere is going to be so boss that it's going to carry us through to this win, regardless of, of what happens on the pitch. And that Garnacho goal just punctured the balloon for everybody, didn't it? And it was it was one of them where coming off the ground that day. I think certainly me. I don't know what about yourself or anybody else listening or watching to this for, but it was kind of like God, maybe this ten point deduction will take a bigger effect on us than we all, all realise and, and you start to think about the, the, the negative aspects of it a bit more and it would have been easier thing for, for that to creep into to the player's mind uh, maybe not the manager so much because he is very much you know, you, you, what you see is what you get isn't it with, with Daesh um, but I think the, the way in which he's been able to lift the players, the way in which they've they've sort of doubled down on, on working hard and leaving everything else on the pitch is, is a massive credit to them um, and, and the mentality they've shown and the steadiness they've shown and that, that willingness to dig deep and effectively get those 10 points back in a week um, is, is amazing. It's, it's, it's been an amazing effort for, for them all. And you know, it just goes to show, doesn't it? I think that the last time we won three games in a row of conceding um, in front of fans was, as you said there, and your mate Marco Silva, wasn't it? When we, we had that great run towards the end of his, his first season. I think we beat Arsenal, West Ham and, and Chelsea in a row. And that's, that was from our, our very own Gav Buckland. So... Winning three, winning three games in a row, I'll concede, is is a massive achievement for any any Everton side, any any really good Everton side, probably among the you know the best we've seen in the Premier League. So for Dice to do with this player, this set of players, in these circumstances, with the opposition as well, you know Newcastle are a good side, Chelsea have got good players. I think the the manager and the players deserve a huge pat on the back for the way in which they've, they've been able to to rally uh, in what have been, let's be honest, it could, could easily have been a, a crisis moment for Everton. No, absolutely. And just to go back to that United weekend, I think there was there was obviously a lot of pressure off the pitch, wasn't it, with regards yeah. to what was going on and the fans rallied together and the unity is something that I haven't seen in a while. But for me personally, you know, definitely that that Garnacho goal took the wind out of our sails. You know what an absolute worldie it was. But having you know seen the results that Luton and Bournemouth had secured on on the Saturday, that kind of got me panicking a little bit, and that was a kind of kick in the teeth. Because prior to that, both teams weren't winning at all. And then it just happened to be that they picked up some, like the first win in a while, I think. The weekend, you know, obviously after that, we'd got the points deduction and we were, we were having to play United. So I think maybe, I don't want to speak for obviously, you know, the 40,000 Everton fans that went to Goodison Park, but a little bit of nerves based on the fact that, hang on a minute, everyone's talking about Everton being, you know, far better than three teams in that league and you know it, it's obviously looking that way but at that time when other teams around you start to pick up results it, it did like kind of nerve me a little bit and you know obviously that is again you know that weekend seems like 
an absolutely million. It seems a million miles away now because the the three results that we've had, it's it's literally. I felt like we turned a bit of a corner against Brentford, but since Forest and obviously picking up the wins against Newcastle and Chelsea, obviously, it just feels like that feel good factor is back at Goodison. I I really can't remember a time where well I can't, but I can't really. It was a long time since I felt this good about Everton. I mean, when was when was the last time you felt this positive about the Blues? Oh, it's just, God! You're going back to probably early, early part of Angelotti's second season when we had Rodriguez and you know we won those first was eight games in a row in all competitions, and it was like, yeah. wow, you know, what are we actually watching here? And you know, obviously, in the end, but, that all came. Even but, then, no, even then, I completely agree with you. But we weren't allowed to, to yeah, be in the stadium, exactly, were yeah. we? So, yeah. although that was positive and it was great. You know, we didn't probably feel the benefits as a, as a, as a fan base and, and individual fans. So I, I, I completely agree with you. For me, I, it's like it's more like Martinez's first season, or like you know, Wonder Moyes maybe when we were getting to like you know it was us against the world and we were you know getting to League Cup semi finals and, and FA Cup finals. Even under Cumin when he kind of like steadied the ship in his first season, finished seventh was it seventh or eighth? I think. Yeah. Even then, it was like I didn't feel. A warmth to cumin or anything like that. So I'm, I think for me personally, it's, it's years since I've felt this good about Everton. And I don't want to get too far ahead of myself because, you know, we're, we're in the early stages of a season and there's a, there's a long way to go. But, you know, actually enjoying going the game and watching Everton, entertaining as well. It's not pretty, but it's still entertaining for me. It's, you know, it's uh, the feel-good factor is definitely back for me. Yeah, yeah. I, I think like even like going back to that spell on the silver mentioned where we beat Arsenal, Chelsea United in the space, you know, beat United 4-0, didn't we? Um, beat Chelsea 2-0 and Arsenal 1-0 um, in the space of three home games. That was that was a, a good time as well and, you know, to look back on. But, but yeah, it's, it's weird, isn't it? Because I, I agree with you, but like, it's you look at the table and even without the, the points deduction, what would it be now? The 10th, is it? 9th, 10th in the, in the yeah. table? And like you, you think back to, you, know, you say about the Martinez seasons and under under Moyes, like when when we were both still, you know, going the game. Then at that point, and like that, if we finished ninth, tenth, then it would be, it would have been like, oh, it's been a really poor season, wouldn't it? Yeah. I suppose it's it's all it's all it's all in context. But I mean, I think the thing that, that I'm like and like sort of what I said before about the, it's it's the context and all this, isn't it? And I think it it all makes a lot more sense and it all feels a lot more important when there's you feel like you've got something to rally behind, and that's why like even. Maybe not so much the the second season in recent years where we had the relegation battle that was that was really bad, um, but but that first season you know when the fans got behind the team and started doing the demonstrations and stuff you know the, the circumstances were, were terrible, but having something to to rally behind and having a course to, to rally behind made going the match an, an event, um, but it was something to be endured rather than enjoyed at, at that point. Admittedly, now it feels like these these games are are to be enjoyed and you know we're only four points clear of, of the relegation zone I don't know if we'll get any points back on, on appeal or not um, but but you're right that it feels like there's a cause here and, and the cause is very much us against the 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 Premier League us against the the world but you know I, I got sent a video last night of um of people out in town singing Everton songs and they, they were singing you can stick your points deduction you know, you can imagine the rest of that song. But they're also singing, we're going to be <laughs> running around Wembley with the cup. 
as well. So I think there's, that's that's something to consider as well. Like as much as we're all rallying against the Premier League and all things we've been hard done by, and there's, there's defiance there running through the fan base as well. You know, this is this is a fan base that's still hopeful of of getting something serious. And... The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Obviously, Fulham's a winnable game in the in the next round um, of of the cup, and then and then who knows semi final, you know, it's two legs, but you're two games away from from Wembley. Then, so there there is a chance here that for something totally salvageable from this season, and if we can keep chipping away at that, you know, the teams above us and bring the likes of Forest and and other sides back into the, this relegation battle and just sort of put that behind us, regardless of whether we get points back or not, and. All of a sudden, you could have you could potentially have a real go at a League Cup semi final in, in the new year. And listen, I don't, I don't want to jump to conclusions because Fulham are, are a good side. They've beaten us plenty of times at Goodison in recent years, haven't they? Um, so don't want to get ahead of myself there. But there is an opportunity for, for something really good to come out of the season. And it's not just finishing 15th, 14th. You know, we, we could, if we play well, go to, you know, have, have a final at Wembley in, in February to look forward to. I mean, you, you sort of look at. Look at that now, and you know, obviously, you wouldn't want to get Liverpool in that draw, would you? By, by any means, going forward, but you'd kind of fancy us against anybody else. You know, Newcastle, Chelsea is the other semi-final, uh, one of the other quarter-finals. We just levered both of them at home. You know, <laughs> there's reasons to be optimistic here. And listen, the manager will be professional, only as he always does, one step at a time. He'll be doing all his dicisms in the press conference going forward. But but you're right. I, th- I think there is real reason to be optimistic about about what's being built here um, because we've already seen a lot of progress in circumstances which aren't really set up for, for a team to make progress and a team to develop. Um, so if things settle down more, we, we get safe and we can really throw ourselves at that cup competition then then why not? Why, why can't we have a cup fans look forward to in the new year? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't know about you, Matt, but I, I don't want the points back now. I've, I've, I've come to the conclusion that they, they can, you know, stick the points. You know, I, I, I genuinely don't care because I think we will be good enough to, to stay up regardless of the 10-point deduction. So it could be another Everton first, you know, the first Premier League team or first, you know, first Premier League team in history to to be deducted 10 points and, and still stay up. And then we imagine if we... get in Europe, maybe if we get them back. I mean, obviously, a lot of people are suggesting <laughs> that now because we are 10th. I think we're about six or seven points away from a Europa League position. Um, so, you know... Or Europa Conference League as well. I'm probably like maybe five or six points away from that. I'd have to double check the league table. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll have to see how this Christmas period goes because we know suspensions and injuries are now starting. To, they're not piling up, obviously, but they're starting to have an impact. And we we, we don't know what's what's going to happen with that. We know the squad is threadbare as it is. You know, it was probably the first time in a long time on you know Sunday against Chelsea where we were able to bring players off onto the pitch, from the bench onto the pitch, and we were able to have an impact. We, we, we know Dice doesn't you know, particularly like to make too many subs, but he, he did use his bench on Sunday, and we, we, we all know what happened there. Anana came on, had, had an impact, and we know Dobbin came on and had a massive impact as well. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with Europe, Matt. But, you know, I, I like to say, I, I, I think if we got Europe through winning the League Cup and stayed up, you know, and not, and, you know, not getting the points back, I think that could be an interesting one. I'm sure a lot of people would disagree with me. They they all wanted ten points back, but I think it would be a you know 
stick it to the Premier League a little bit and say, well, we, we don't we don't care, we don't want the points back, we'll just, we'll just do it ourselves. So that could be that could be an interesting uh, yeah. scenario. You say that, mate. Interesting. Like, if we won the League Cup and stayed up, you wouldn't see me for weeks. You wouldn't be. I wouldn't be. I be no. for a podcast for a while. No, I'll celebrate you. My word. No, absolutely. Um, so, whatever way you want to look at this, Matt, I've either done my research or I've done a little bit of stalking. But I was looking through your Twitter over uh, from the past couple of days, and I'm just going to read the tweet out that you um, that you posted, oh, and it's kind of you kind of in the same mindset as me a little bit, or you have been previously. So. Quote, ready to eat humble pie over the manager in the 11 months since he's come in. It's remarkable what he's done when you look at it overall. So that's a tweet that you posted over the weekend. So other than the victories, Matt, is there anything else that has like changed your opinion on Dice? I mean, obviously winning is going to change your opinion about a manager and the football team. That goes without saying. But like I say, is there anything anything else that's changed your mind on, on him as a, as a manager? Um... I think I think he's been really true to his own word and, and messaging. Like I going back to what I was saying at the start in regards to the you know the the XG and stuff like that and how he sort of st- stuck by that. I think after a few weeks, it, it could have been easy for him to just sort of break away from that and, and start you know losing this you know it's cool a little bit in press conferences and maybe snapping a little bit. And um, but he stuck with it all the way through and. I think one of the other things he sort of said as well when when he came in is that you know whenever you know Brevetonians in the past whenever we've lost we've been down here and when we've won we, we've been up here and he's just sort of tried to be a bit of an anchor to perspective in, in that sense and try and just keep cool all the time and you know it would it would have been easy for him after the the game on Thursday night or, or the game on Sunday to come you know marching out onto the pitch a la Frank Lampard and giving it loads to the Gladys Street after you know, two huge wins. And, you know, that that he would have been well within his rights to do that. You know, if I was the Everton manager and I'd seen the team win like that, goodness, and I, I would have been out there giving it loads and, and getting amongst it with the supporters. But he, he just sort of shakes the hand. He, he does his little applause and, and he's off, isn't he? Um, and I think he's been very true to his word in that sense. I think he's trying to maintain a level of calmness. And, and I, think, I think when you are in a bad run, that can be a bit annoying as a supporter. I think when you you feel like you're not playing well and you're not getting everything from your team, I think as, as a fan, when you watch those press conferences, you want to see like a, a bit more like emotion and, and maybe like a bit more passion. Um, but he just sticks to what he what he says. He sticks to his message and he's consistent with it all the time. And I think even throughout all the stuff with the points deduction, you know, being constantly asked about that. They go back to last season when he was constantly asked about about Carver Lewin every week, and listen, it's totally understandable because of the, the the huge stories for, for Everton. But he's he's kept his cool and he, he's maintained it, and he, he's been pretty much true to his word ever since he he's come in. Um, and yeah, like towards the end of last season, after the like if Everton decided to to go away from from Dice and bring in somebody else, I wouldn't have been made up. I wouldn't have been devastated. It would have just been you know I, I totally would have kind of got it either way, but. Sitting here now, I'm delighted he's he's still here because I don't think there are many people who would have been able to get more from this squad of players. Certainly, and I don't think there were, I don't think there are many managers certainly around who hit with a ten point deduction would subsequently get three wins from four games when you've played United, Newcastle, and Chelsea in that time as well. So, um. He's 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 definitely he's definitely won a lot of people over in that time. I know there's been people who've been totally behind him from from the start, uh, but but for me certainly, I've just been so impressed by the way in which he's managed the situation, uh, both on and off the pitch in, in the last few weeks. But you said you're in the same situation yourself as 
you sort of come around a bit now? Yeah, I think, you know, without going around the houses about it, at the time we weren't winning football matches, you know, we were we were losing football matches. So, you know, you're, you're not going to be, you're not going to be too happy. My, my initial concern at the time of, you know, the, the poor run of form that we started the season in was that we would more than likely win a couple of games and then come, say, February, March, we would still be, or very much still be in a, the relegation, you know, dogfight. And then it would be a case of, you know, do do we switch for another manager? Because inevitably we could have ended up having like one really bad, poor result where we ended up getting before now. This is just all in my head, you know, thinking, are we going to get one really bad result? And then it's like, well, that's it. Like he's got to go now. So come March, we're going to have to get another manager in who's going to save us from the drop. And it would be like, well, the type of manager that you're looking for is not someone who's, you know, going to be here for a bit of longevity. It'd be someone who just literally just needs to keep you up for that for the remainder of that season. So it was kind of like my my mindset was, does he need to go now so we can get like, you know, just as an example, like a Graham Potter in, someone who would be a bit more, you know, pragmatic in his approach and, you know, a bit more, you know, forward thinking and how he would, he would play football and stuff like that. And it would give this new manager time to, to be able to implement his ideas. Whereas if, when a new manager came in, in in March, he literally wouldn't be able to do anything. But I completely want to say, I you know, I'm absolutely delighted that Dice has turned things around. You know, I don't really care who manages everyone football club as long as, you know, they're there to win. And, you know, Dice has, has certainly proven that at this moment in time. Yeah. Again, it's, and it's, I think, sorry, mate, go on. No, it's just it's, it's early days. So, again, it, it, it's kind of what you said, isn't it? You don't want to be too high. You don't want to be too low kind of just steady, solid in the middle. And I think despite the, the fantastic results that we've had over the past two games, you know, it's hard not to, you know, feel ecstatic about what's going on. But I'm, I'm still I'm still trying to bring myself down, like you said before, and just be in the mindset of steady as we go and just see how this season, like, progresses. Yeah. And I think I think what you've seen as well, like the extra time he's had, is like the improvements in, in certain players. Like at the club as well, you know, Mikalenko sort of yeah. felt like a lost course, didn't he? At the end of at the end of last season, and when Young came in, I think James Garner's gone up a level, looks looks much fitter as a player. Uh, Viganar has probably improved as well. You know, McNeil obviously has been a big improvement, or that, that kind of started straight away, didn't it, when he came in? And and, and Carver Lewin, you know, the, if if you if you were told in the summer, mate, like that you would have played the amount of minutes he has this season. And sort of been injury free, you know. I would have been totally surprised and shocked by it. You know, I think when we brought Beto in, it sort of felt like he'd be starting most games for us because Carver Lewin's fitness wise was, was a bit of a lost cause. So, I think by having that that patience and, and giving them time to actually work out the players and where the best, what they need, you know, how you keep them fit, what how does the workload need managing, and kind of give them that time to plan it. We're starting to see the best of, of all those players sort of come through as well. And I, I think Mikalenko and Carver Lewin are, are the biggest ones. You know, Mikalenko in terms of performance, his, his level has just gone up to a level I didn't think he was capable of. And Carver Lewin in terms of his, his durability, obviously touching all the wood around me here. Because <laughs> you never you never know with Dom and you don't want to you don't want to get too carried away given this fitness issues. But he looks like you know he's playing two games a week quite frequently now, isn't he? And he looks like he's getting through them all right. So by giving Dice that extra little bit of time, we're starting to to see the you know, 
things that might have been frustrating last season when Cavalier wasn't playing or Mikalenko was struggling, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Now we're the other side of it. It's it's starting to starting to reap the benefits from it a bit more. Yeah, and I mean, surely all credit to Dice as well for being able to manage Carvert Lewin. So mm-hmm. something that hasn't no one, you know, the past previous couple of managers haven't been able to do really. Yeah, 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 definitely. And I think like even at the weekend, like, you know, just just taking him off on sixty minutes, was it? Sixty five? Yeah. Um, you know, that that that's fine. Like you, you know, he was he was having a bit of an in and out game, wasn't he? He wasn't really doing too much and you know you've, you've got you've got a player on the bench there and better now who, who can come on and, and, and make an, an impact albeit in quite an unorthodox way as he, as he tends to do when he does get on the pitch but it's you know it's it's just, it's just being sensible isn't it I think I think he's a very sensible manager isn't he I mean there, there, there have been times where he's made decisions which which leave you to feeling a bit like what on earth's going on there and his substitutions can can or non-substitutions can do you right at times but I think Eighty percent of the time, you look at what he's doing and think, "Yeah, that that's very sensible," and that, that's kind of what we need at the moment because for the last four, five, God, ten, twenty years, we've not been a very sensible football club. My next question then is is based on what this podcast has been headlined: <laughs> um, Pochettino claiming that Chelsea were the better team despite the defeat. Is is that a statement that you agree with, or is that something? Is he just trying to be a politician there? Oh, not at all. No, they, they were. I thought they were awful. Like genuinely terrible yesterday. Like I, I just found like all all their decisions were mad. Like because I think like early on they looked a threat. I think down the left hand side with Mudrick and Kukurea, and then Reese James went off and they put Kukurea on the the right hand side and put Colwell on the left, and that, I thought that just negated a lot of their threats. So, but they they I just thought they were so poor. Like as, as good as good as we were, and, and we, the way we shut them down it was excellent. No, they they were an absolute rabble. Uh, midfielders costing one hundred and twenty million pound each, just knocking it sideways. Uh, Conor Gallagher running around like an headless chicken, just kicking people up in the air. I mean, how, how did he get booked? My word. Um, mm-hmm. Breuer up front, just in and out. Brownfoy seemed to have him off pretty much every time they, they went into a duel. Uh, no, I, I, I didn't think they were the, the better side at all, mate. I thought, I thought their number five, Paddy Ashley, had a, quite a good game, but he, even he switched off for for the first goal. But yeah, I, I don't know what Pochettino's on about there. And then and after the game, he, he came out and said that he feels like they need to sign more players. It's like you're kidding. Yeah. Um, you, <laughs> how, how much more, was it? Over a billion pound they spent in, in the last three transfer windows, roughly. And there's us getting our our ten point deduction for being apparently uh, not a, a sustainable model. Um, it, it's absolutely insane what's going on there. It sort of feels like he's going to end up the same way as, as any other manager and you know things won't change for them until they get some clear direction from the top of the football club because they're just they're just an absolute rabble. And they were they were so fractured throughout. And it was it was it was just good. It was just good to see them bullied. And like like I said earlier on, it was it was great to see their their fans send packing as well with the the ridiculous stuff they were singing and um just as an aside, massive credit to the football club for sticking the, the food banks uh, logo up on the screen every time feed the scouts or, or sign on got a got an airing from from their supporters. Um just absolutely ridiculous behaviour and, and a touch of class from Everton. So yeah. Um Chelsea embarrassed themselves in, in a few different ways, I think, on the pitch with the fans and some ridiculous comments from the manager as well. Just to go on a bit of a sidebar, I mean, I don't know what I don't know what you think, but I think Pochettino flatters to deceive, to be honest. I, I don't think he's He's, he's all he's all that and, and what he's he's made out to be. I think he's a he's a bit of a media darling because 
because of who kind of who he is and and his name. But I just don't think he's hasn't done much throughout his career. And you know, he did well with Tottenham, but didn't win anything really. I didn't don't think he won won anything. And then went to PSG and. Did he win the league? I think he won the league, but yeah, I think he won the, the title. Didn't he? I think he lost it one season though, didn't he? Was it? Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I think it was Lille beat them one year, like to, to it. Um, but yeah, he's just—I don't know. Like, what, you sort of look at his career now. It's like when did he last do a good job at a, at a club? Was it looking well? It's—it's it's, sorry, Chelsea. It's Tottenham, isn't it? Like you know, that last Champions season, league final, but obviously yeah. lost that one. But even that, even that season, I think they were—they were pretty poor, weren't they? Like, I think they were like eighth or ninth in the, in the table. Then obviously they started the next season badly, but but yeah, it's just it's just a bit of a to, to, to be honest, mate. Like I, I I totally forgot he was their manager until after the game yesterday, and I saw like those quotes. It's like oh oh yeah, it, it was him. Like he, he was dressed up sort of like a, a Thomas Tuchel impersonator, wasn't he, with the long coat on and and, and a baseball cap on the sidelines. So yeah, it just feels like a weird fit. And you know they've obviously lost to United, didn't they? Lost lost to us, and they got some dreadful home results. Um, and sort of felt like they were going to turn the corner after the they drew against City and beat Spurs, but the massive issues there in in that setup. I mean, they've got a captain who can't stay fit, haven't they? As well, Rhys James just needs to go off injured every single week. So, yeah, I, I don't know what he was talking about at all. Did you did you think they were the better team? The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. No, absolutely not. I, I mean, I, I suppose I, I, th- I can kind of get what he means because I think, you no, know, actually no. I'm, I've changed my mind. I actually don't know what he's talking about. To be we, honest, we like, won the XG, didn't we? As well, I think. Yeah, well, very narrowly. So I think he's just, you know, he he's obviously trying to come up with excuses, and the fact that he did come out with, you know, we need to spend more money is um, basically trying to defer the blame from him. Inevitably, you know that's what he's trying to do. I mean, I still like his suits. I know he was in the old uh, tracksuit <laughs> on the uh, on Sunday, but he, he doesn't have to pull off a good suit. Yeah, so. Dice beat him in the suit battle as well. When in a manager club battle on the sideline, even you know, I don't know. That, that that I think managers go into those sorts of phases where they they put mad gear on them. They when they're, they're about to get sacked. I remember Marcus Silva <laughs> went down a bit of a similar route, didn't he? Where he was. He was turned up to the game, he was looking like me, unshaven, and his hair all over the place uh, <laughs> in trackies. <laughs> it's like, yeah, the end's coming for you, I think, Marco. But yeah, I think Pochettino is very much in that, that same bracket. Well, you might be able to shed a little bit more light on this. I think it's, I don't know whether it has been confirmed, but just reports that um, Nicholas Jackson won't fa- face any retrospective action for his actions uh, after the game at Goodison Park. So obviously, for, for anyone who didn't see it or doesn't know, he, he kind of grabbed, well, not kind of, he, he did grab. Nathan Patterson's neck before being dragged away by you know teammates and stuff like that. So he's not going to face any action according to reports. I mean, like I say, can you shed anything on that, or is it? Um, I mean, what do you think of that? Is it just absolutely disgusting behaviour? To be honest, oh, it's it's ridiculous, yeah. But it's I, I think it was weird, wasn't it? Because Patterson just seems to go over to shake his hand, and then he doesn't want to shake his hand, and he, he slaps slaps Parsons' hand away and then, sorry, Parsons sort of gives him a little shove and then he, he's up and he's after him. So yeah, it was just, it was just weird, wasn't it? It was just a really weird moment. Um, but he, I also read this morning that he's got eight yellow cards this season and none of them have been for fouls. So he's very, obviously very petulant and got a lot of bookings for descent. So I don't know if he's got any for diving or not, but um, yeah, it was, just, it was just weird. But I, I don't know about you, like I, I kind of, I've kind of liked the last two games where it's all spilled over a little bit after we've, we've won. And, and obviously... 
on first day, it was all very much Jordan Pickford centric, wasn't it? And, and he was the very much the pantomime villain. But yeah, I, I quite like that we're, we're beating teams and then they're really annoyed about it and kicking off. It's it just it just adds an extra layer of you know satisfaction to the win, doesn't it? That you see other players crying and whinging at the end of the game. And I think it, it you know it proves that you're doing something right as well. You know, getting under under opposition skin. You know, you don't want players coming to Goodison Park and or opposition players coming to Goodison Park and, and enjoying it. You want them to have a, a tough and torrid time, something that hasn't happened in, in in a while. So the fact that these opposition players, Newcastle, Chelsea, have, have reacted the way they have, it just it just proves that for me that we're, we're doing absolutely everything right and long may it continue. Yeah. I mean, in Michael Ball's column, which, is, which has gone out uh, tonight, he, he talks about how... He, he felt like he had to do that sometimes against the like opponents. He talks about when he was like winding Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank up, and then Hasselbank elbowed him in the face. Paulie <laughs> made the most of it, and Hasselbank got sent off. And like it's it's the dark arts, isn't it? You've got to you've got to exploit it sometimes and and, and try and get under the skin. And we all love it, don't we? You know, Goodison Park said it's best when Everton are being a bit snide and and, and aggressive, and and that's that's what we've been in the last two games. And you know, some teams stand up to that. Um, and give it back. Others wilt under the pressure and the atmosphere, and, and Newcastle and Chelsea both have in the last couple of games. Yeah, absolutely. I just want to touch on individual performances quickly, Matt. Then, so I want to touch. We've kind of touched on them before, but Michalenko, what a, a massive upturn in, in not just his form because he, he obviously is playing well, but you can tell he's he's an actual footballer now. He's an actual fullback and a, a really good one at that. Yeah, mate, definitely. And like being. Being at the game yesterday, like I don't know if these like would have come through on on like telly or people who, who watched the, the highlights, but there were loads of moments in the second half, especially like I think we looked a bit tired, didn't we? And we were giving the ball away quite a lot in midfield, and and we you know, we had chances to counter, and we were just being a bit wasteful, and they were getting it back and trying to like counter on us while we were stretched. And there were so many times when he just he, he got a foot in on somebody bursting forward, or he, um, you know came inside and shut down a, a, a counter-attack and the amount of times that that happened and then like when the play broke down like it was either Tarkovsky or Bramthwaite or Pickford and we were going up to him and like you know geeing him up and being like you know sort of well in mate that that was boss uh, so many times that happened in the second half and it's just one of those plays isn't he, that like everyone in the team seems to to love and really want him to do well you know we, we've seen how everyone goes over to him when when he, when he scored recently and, and celebrates uh, we've seen, like I said, the weekend whenever he makes a you know great defensive play at the moment, everybody's over to him, giving him giving him encouragement and, and geeing him up. So, just seems like a really likable lad and, and somebody who's who's really developing as, as a player as well. Um, and like, I think, like I said earlier, I think you could argue that he's Dice's biggest triumph as, as a manager since he came in. Really, um, and you, you're looking at it, and it's like, have there been many better left backs in in the league this season? Like. Really, you know, you, you say maybe Dina at Villa has had a good season, hasn't he? Um, but aside from that, like, there's not, there's not loads really. Like, obviously, Robertson's been out injured for Liverpool. City don't really ever play with one. Um, Chelsea seems, you know, like Kukurea, my my word, he's he's dreadful. Um, there's, there's not many, I think, in in the league this season that have played as consistently well as him. And to be to be saying that and putting him in that, even in that conversation after. Some of the performances he put in last year is is massive credit to him. He's, he's come on loads and loads, and I don't know about you, but like probably our best player this season, I'd say, along with along with Branthwaite. If, if we're doing it now, it's I'd say it's probably between them two. Yeah, I'd go with Branthwaite, but I think I'd give Michalenko most most improved. And to, to be honest, I'm I'm going to say this quietly. 
because <laughs> I don't want anyone shouting at me and I don't want you shouting at me, Matt, but does Rafa Benitez deserve any credit for the signing or does the credit all just go to Dice? <laughs> or, or, or Marcel Brands, wasn't it? He was, he was still at the football club, wasn't he, then? Oh, was he, was or, he still there? I thought it, I thought it was... Uh... Maybe he'd been sacked, but, like, I don't know. Maybe they, like... I think they, it... went... No, go on, go on. I was going to say, maybe they went in his desk and, and looked at the files and the plays he'd been scouting and, and just thought, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go ahead and get this one anyway. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, like, unpicking who signed who at Everton in recent years is, is a tough business, isn't it? It could, it could, could have been Machiri, could have gone and gone, and who knows? Yeah, absolutely. I, I do remember that week. Like, it was an absolutely crazy week where, mm. you know, Dina wanted out. You know, we ended up getting Michalenko, but in terms of the actual timeline, I, I, I'm not too sure. I think obviously he was signed under Benitez, but let's just say full credit to Dice for Michalenko's upturning form. Um, Carbot Lewin, and just just very quickly, you kind of touched upon touched upon him again earlier. You know, when he went off after about 60 minutes, he, he probably didn't have his like best game, but he was still impacting the game. You know, the amount of headers that he won, he was putting himself self around. Um, how, did he, how did you assess his performance? And does he just kind of need the goal? I suppose you know he he has scored goals this season. It's not like he's he's desperate for one, but does he just need a you know a goal? And obviously he missed that chance against Newcastle, which was obviously you know a bit disappointing. Yeah, maybe, but like it's I, I sort of feel like listen, Beto's hilarious, and you know I love him, but you, you sort of look at when he's on the pitch, and I think this does a bit of this yesterday. Like you kind of realise what Cavalier and offers you other than goals as well. Like I think like. Chelsea really came into the game a bit more when when Beto came on. Um, I like in the like I said in the the Gladys Street and like in the ground. Like I thought that the the chance that he had before Decore's goal was actually like a really bad miss. But but watching it back again, I think he's actually quite brave to to go in and and try and get it because I think it's it's one of them. The keeper's so close to him, it's hard to score, and you know you're going to get smashed into by a keeper flying out. You're trying to block it, so I think he's been pretty brave there. And listen again, like. Thinking about all the injuries he's had over the past few years, you know, putting yourself on the line like that and going in for that tackle, I think he deserves credit for. So, so yeah, he's obviously not scored goals recently, but it's just just one step at a time with him, isn't it? Really, you know, he had a, he had a great comeback when he first came back into the team this season, and the goals were were flowing. But as long as he's contributing to the team, as long as he's occupying centre backs and and softening them up, maybe for for players later in the game to come on like Beto and. I think as well, it's probably no surprise that Decore has been scoring loads of goals since since Dom come back into the team because as a duo they work really well. And if, if you know you can't have two centre backs marking Carvalho and one of them's got to pick up Decore, and that that inevitably gives them more space. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not really worried. Obviously, it'd be nice if he if he scored um, at the weekend. He, he chipped him a few more goals, but he's performing well, and I think he's playing a really important role in, in a side that's in as good as form as, as any in the league at the moment. So, not too concerned. I think that the biggest thing for me is that the pressure's being taken off him because the whole team's contributing to goals. I think I might be wrong about this, but everyone who's pretty much been, the, you know, the players in the starting eleven has scored the goal this season other than Branthwaite, I think, as, as, as far as I think, I think that's the case. If you, if you go through that eleven, yeah. obviously not, not Pickford, um, Tarkovsky, he scored, hasn't he? Yeah, he scored a couple. Yeah, he scored. Young, Young got one in the cup. We know Michalenko's had a, you know, one or two goals. Uh, even you know, Adrisa Guy scored scored a goal. Yeah. So when you're getting te- when you're getting goals across the whole team, that obviously takes the pressure off the off the striker. And you know, I I just think Kakabat Lewin just changes the way we we play completely. I think I don't want to bring him up and be critical of him, but 
Um, Mopai was just, you know, he was, he was kind of helpless in that team because he mm. didn't play to his strengths. So, you know, we, he didn't put himself around. He didn't hold the ball up. And even when he had chances, you know, clear-cut chances, he just he, he, he didn't score. I think, you know, we know Cavalier is not exactly prolific, but yeah. he'll, he'll do a job and he'll do a job well. Um, I know you've got to go, Matt, so we will finish off uh, very soon. But got a, co- a couple of questions. Oh, I've just got one question here before we look at um, Branthwaite. Emma EFC has said, have Patterson and Dobbin earned the start against Burnley? Uh, Dob- Dobbin, probably not. I think he's, you know, he made a good cameo, didn't he, at the weekend? And you know, I was surprised he came on, to be honest. But, um, you know, I think Harrison and McNeil do exactly what Dice wants, doesn't it? From the wingers in terms of working hard off the ball. Um, Patterson's a funny one, isn't it? It's like, whenever he plays, he seems to like, do all right. But, you know, Young could be injured at the weekend, so maybe you could get a chance there. But Coleman could be back. Like it, it does feel to me still, me like Patterson's probably third choice right back. Would you say? Do you agree with that as well? Yeah, like it's maybe like feels like we need. You know, maybe if Young's injured and Coleman's not quite right, or I don't know, it's sort of mad like Coleman plays centre back. Then that feels like the only time we'll see him. But yeah. probably um, in the eyes of Dice, I think he's obviously third third choice. I think. I mean, it's 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 kind of proved that, hasn't it? Within the last two games, that Coleman. Got the start against um, against Newcastle, and you know, obviously Young still played, but he was more of a, a right right wing position. Um, I don't know. A lot of people saying Dice doesn't doesn't fancy Patterson. I, I, I don't know, but I do. You know, without playing exceptionally well when he came on on Sunday, I do think he did okay. And you know, could have easily have taken his chance. I think Young is you know. He's doing. He's done okay. I think he's been mm. poor in, in certain games and maybe certain certain periods of games. He, he's had the best game for Everton as a, as a right winger. So you know, it's a it's a weird one, isn't it? But obviously that was his natural position anyway. Yeah. But I mean, like they both shown. I think over the next few weeks when the games are going to be coming like thick and fast, like you now maybe maybe he'll be more willing to bring Dobbin on off the bench now. Because he he did well at the weekend, passing the show, he could come on and, and, and do a job as well. So, you know, at least they could be rotation options because we, we can't, as well as this team's doing, as well as this sort of first eleven's been doing. I, I don't think we'll get through this this period without having to rotate or without injuries or, or more suspensions. Like you know, players are going to have to come in and, and do a job in the side, and, and hopefully both of those can can come in and do just that. Yeah. We'll finish off then with a um, a small Burnley preview. Obviously, Everton five thirty kickoff on on Saturday. Um, Branthwaite is going to be out, Matt. Um, you know, picking up that suspension. Um, obviously, going to be missed because we just talked about today. He's probably been Everton's best player. That partnership that he's he's uh, you know managed to forge forge with Tarkovsky um, has been absolutely amazing. So, who comes in for Branthwaite? Well, uh, our very own Joe Thomas tonight has reported that Keane is probably, well, looks likely to miss this game at the weekend. He's um, he's, he's got a bit of a knock, so um, it, the natural conclusion there will be Ben Godfrey, wouldn't it? Who's not, not been seen for, I mean, has he played a minute this season? I can't even, I don't think he has, has he? In in any game, maybe he played Doncaster, didn't he, in the League Cup? Um, that night, he played alongside Keane, so... It'd be a big ask for him. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be like totally surprised if he, if he went sort of like Coleman at, at centre-back, which sounds mad because he's only played centre-back in like a three-man defence. But this version of Burnley aren't like 
you know, it's not crisp more than Ashley Barnes, is it? They, they keep it on the deck. They, they don't really fling crosses into the box and the forwards they've got are quite nimble. So it wouldn't be a massive surprise, I think, if he went Coleman there either. But I think the thing you've got to do then is you've got to bring Tarkovsky from the right-hand side of the defence back to the left-hand side because, you know, you'd, you'd think anyone coming into that setup would would probably play on the right. So we're going to have to move things about. It is it is a massive loss because, like you said, he's been our, our best player. Um but players have come in recently and, and done well, haven't they? Coleman's come in, Patterson's done, Patterson's come in, Dobbins come in, um, Idrissige come into the side as well. Um, so hopefully that that trend can continue. And you know, players who've been on the bench, like Ben Godfrey should be looking at that, thinking, I want to, I want to get in this team. You know, James Tarkovsky's playing out of his skin. We're keeping clean sheets. It's like physical, aggressive football, which should suit the way in which he plays and, and all his the attributes he's got which we've not seen enough of for, for a while. Like th- this team and the way they play should suit him down to the ground. So he should be looking at that thinking, I'm, I'm going to get in this team and I'm going to take me chance. Not necessarily to start every week going forward, but to, to be an option um, for the manager. So could be a big opportunity for him uh, and, he, and he should be desperate to seize it. But I don't think there's any getting away from the fact that Brown Flake being out is, is a massive blow for us and it'll be very tough to replace. Yeah, definitely. I suggest that Coleman, actually, so it's funny that you, you mentioned that. And the only reason I did suggest it, because I just thought it would be a kind of dice um, team selection and decision to go with that. But obviously, you know, the natural fit um, would, would be Godfrey, you know, if he is available, if he is fit and available to, to play. So it'll be an intriguing one, you know, on the day. And we'll all be obviously anticipating that team selection dropping on Twitter, you know, 4.30 on Saturday, just to, to see what dice has gone with. But just uh, we're going to finish off now, Mark. But just early, you know, prediction, early uh, Burnley prediction. Yeah, I, I, I do fancy us. Like it's it's just one of those grounds I never enjoy was going to. But I think that was largely because we were playing teams managed by Daesh, To be honest, <laughs> like obviously now we now we've got him. Obviously it's his first game back there as well, isn't it? Since hmm. since he left, so loads of narrative going into. It. But no, I do fancy us. They they've been pretty dreadful at home, haven't they? Apart from that that win against Sheffield United. They've maybe turned the corner a little bit in the last few weeks, but they've got a few big injuries. I think that Coley Osho has been their best player, hasn't he? He's out for, for a while. Um, so, yeah, I fancy just to go there, not really have much of the ball, but just do a job on the counter-attack and, and a set-piece. So maybe maybe a nice 2-1, 2-0 for the Blues. Yeah, that'd be nice. And obviously, that would account for 12 points from the last four. So we would fully have uh, reclaimed the 10 points back from uh, the Premier League point deduction so yeah that would that will uh, be very nice indeed i'll go for a win as well i'll go for an early prediction and an everton win um i'll go for you know i'll go for the same as you two one two one see how uh, see how that goes okay matt well uh, i'll leave you to it uh, thanks very much it's uh, i know you've got a couple of things to do before you finish off tonight but uh, thanks for joining me. It's uh, it's been a good chat. Actually, our first podcast ever together on the Royal Blue Channel. So hopefully, plenty more to come yeah, in the future. Just thinking that, mate. Yeah, yeah. Long may it continue. Loads more chat about Everton wins would be absolutely lovely. Yeah, I'll definitely enjoy that over the next couple of weeks or months. Brilliant. Okay, everyone, everyone listening on uh, Facebook, YouTube, live. Uh, that's all from tonight's show. I've been Ian Kroll with Matt Jones, and this has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.